Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. The attacks on free speech seem to be ramping up and seem to be unprecedented, and they come at us in all kinds of unique ways. Today, my guest is an old friend, Kim Colby, who serves as director of the Center for Law and Religious Freedom of the Christian Legal Society, an organization I've been a member of since law school. Kim, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Thanks. It's good to be back. Thanks, Alan. So if there was an unlikely source for attacking free speech, surely the American Bar Association would seem to be that unlikely source. But uh, go ahead and tell our listeners how it is that the ABA is now trying to suppress certain kinds of speech. Okay, so about two years ago this summer, the ABA held its annual meeting in San Francisco, California, and it adopted a black letter rule, a model rule, uh, that would uh, restrict attorney speech so that they could be disciplined for any uh, derogatory or demeaning speech, anything considered harassment or discrimination uh, related to the practice of law. And it's, it's a very broad rule. And so as a result of this, the ABA itself just gives out suggested rules, right? It gives out this model rule. And it, the model rule doesn't have effect unless the state Supreme Court in any particular state adopts it. And so um, on one hand, uh, what the ABA did two years ago doesn't really mean anything unless it's adopted by a state. And so we've been seeing about, I don't know, 12, 12 states or more struggling with deciding whether to adopt what many of us consider to be a speech code for lawyers. So explain what the problem is with this. I mean, we all, most of us anyway, you know, we aspire to non-discrimination. We believe in non-discrimination. But right. how does this rule actually restrict the freedom of speech of lawyers? What it does, and I'm glad you said that, Alan, because um, whenever we're dealing with a non-discrimination policy or a non-discrimination rule like this, it's always good to step back and remember that there are reasons why policies and rules are needed because of our country's history. And so we do want everyone to be treated with respect and uh, be able to hold their jobs and and live their lives um, without being harassed and discriminated against. But what we've seen in recent years is some of these policies and rules are turned against some of the very people they're meant to protect. So I've been on your a program before about the fact that non-discrimination policies at public universities are being used to exclude religious student groups from their campuses because they right. choose their leaders according to their religious beliefs. And and the university officials sometimes say, oh, that's religious discrimination. And so you violate our discrimination policy, you're out of here, which the discrimination policy is supposed to be protecting the religious students, not excluding them. And this is more of the same. So here we have 
a policy where lawyers, particularly we suspect lawyers of a particular political viewpoint, are going to be, um, you know, be told that if they express certain views, um, that they are violating this non-discrimination, non-harassment rule. And we think it's going to be used against um, people who have certain conservative or religious or political viewpoints. And that's what the real concern with this rule is. Well, so can you give me some examples of a situation where a lawyer might do something in keeping with their faith or their values that would run afoul of this rule. Right. So um, there are two kind of concerns here. And one is that, for example, many uh, attorneys with religious beliefs are on the boards of their churches or uh, Christian schools, Christian colleges, or other Christian ministries. And so, for example, an attorney who might be on the board of her church and the church might be writing a policy regarding whether the church is going to do same-sex weddings or whether it's going to allow its facilities to be used for, you know, anniversary parties or wedding receptions for same-sex uh, weddings that violate the church's rules. Um, the attorney is not being paid for her advice as part of the church board, but it's still work conducted that she's engaged in because she's a lawyer, right? She's doing it pro bono. She's doing it as a volunteer. And many people might complain to the disciplinary board in whatever state she's in that she's violating this new rule because her um, she's helping write a policy that would exclude uh, weddings for same-sex couples from their church. And, you know, the lawyers who are helping Jack Phillips in his uh, case in Colorado might also um, if they were not in litigation, but just advising uh, a baker who has religious convictions about not baking a cake, um, that could be seen as a violation of this rule. And and the rule is so broad that it's written so that anyone, and I do mean anyone, could say that they had been offended by something that a lawyer's done along these lines and bring a disciplinary complaint. And a disciplinary complaint then would be investigated. The attorney has to uh, say that he's under investigation. And then um, it might be dismissed against him. The charge might be seen as frivolous. Or he could be censured, somehow sanctioned, suspended from the practice of law for a while, or even have his license taken away from him. So it's very serious repercussions with a rule that is not at all well written. Have any states yet adopted this rule? One state has, which is the state of Vermont. It adopted the rule in July. The rule went into effect in September. So there really has not yet been time to see the practical consequences of the rule. Um, but otherwise, we've had uh, four states take action to uh, either reject the rule or uh, allow a petition to, um, in Nevada, there had been a petition uh, by the state bar to adopt the rule and the Supreme Court allowed that petition to be withdrawn. Uh, Tennessee, um, South Carolina, and Maine have all rejected the rule. Well, that's encouraging. Um, Maine being next door to Vermont or very close to it. 
Right. And uh, to see, you know, states that are somewhat uh, more progressive, you know, more bluer rather than red states, that's where I would think the threat really comes from, don't you? Right. Now, what they're doing is um, I don't quite understand what states are being chosen for this rule, but so far, um, in addition to the states that I mentioned, other states like Illinois uh, and Pennsylvania have um, examined the rule, and they haven't, uh, Montana is one of these, they haven't taken specific action to reject it, but they haven't adopted it either, and it's been sitting there for a long time. So I think it's been constructively uh, rejected, or at least that's the hope uh-huh. of many of us. Well, the fact that it remains as a recommendation from the American Bar Association is certainly troubling. Now, you know, like many lawyers, I've been a member of the American Bar Association, but I don't really participate. Um, do you think it's important for Christians to participate in the ABA? And, and if so, you know, how? Right. So I think it would be really wise. A lot of Christians um, stopped participating in the ABA and even stopped being members um, about 20 years ago when the ABA took a position of being in favor of abortion. And that was really, I think, a dividing line for a lot of people. Um, and as a result, the ABA has become progressively more liberal over the years so that even this rule had trouble getting passed in the ABA as liberal as it is. But um, it would be probably a good idea if Christian attorneys and others started being active again in the ABA, but it will take a lot of numbers um, because otherwise rules like this get passed, which have uh, no protections for First Amendment rights, no protections for uh, religious freedom. And so at some point, we need to re-engage the ABA, but it's it's a big task. I'll say, you know, <laughs> um, and expensive, you know, membership and attendance of these things doesn't come cheap, which is one reason why uh, I haven't been more active. Mm-hmm. But let's take a step back and, and put this in context, because it seems as though the attacks on free speech and religious freedom are coming from a variety of directions. We've done a show about uh, a bill here in California to restrict the speech of pro-family anti-abortion clinics. And there's legislation here that's gone national now in various states to restrict the freedom of social workers and therapists in dealing with uh, counseling of, of gays. And, of course, the Jack Phillips case uh, before the Supreme Court, it just seems like there's there's so many ways that the left is overreaching and trying to silence uh, those who have differing beliefs and values based on the Bible. Uh, is does this? You've been doing this a long time, Kim. Does this seem to be heating up or or unprecedented in any way? I think it is uh, unprecedented in our country, at least for the last several decades, where we really have, um, I thought that it was an important American value to understand that no matter how much we dislike another American speech, 
uh, will defend their right to say what they want. And um, that's no longer the case. Uh, the liberal side of things increasingly uh, is is more than willing to suppress speech, whether it's on college campuses, whether it's the examples you have, especially in the professional arena. And um, this is a very, very dangerous trend because especially for lawyers, lawyers are often in the forefront of political and religious and social movements to change our society, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But the idea that we're going to start gagging lawyers through a rule like 8.4G uh, means that we are not going to have a robust civil society. And that is bad for everyone. All I can say <laughs> is, uh, is wow. And right. as you know, we've, uh, we've been supportive of the Christian Legal Society efforts in various states and getting the mm -hmm. word out. And, uh, you know, happy to do it. Uh, and we certainly appreciate your leadership and the leadership of, uh, of Christian Legal Society on this issue. Um, you know, we just have another minute here. Have you been getting good support uh, generally from other religious liberty groups, from, uh, you know, from Christian groups? How is that right. going? Yes. Once people understand the problem, and a lot of lawyers, they don't pay attention. They're very busy and they haven't looked at 8.4G. So I'd really encourage anyone listening who wants to know more to go to the Christian Legal Society's website. And we have a page on 8.4G where you can learn a lot about what this is, what is happening here. We've had a lot of support from other groups that understand the danger. I would note that Arizona has a comment period through uh, the 21st of May. And New Hampshire has a comment period that ends, I believe, May 31st. So and we are out of time, Kim. As we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom Spring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. This has been Freedom Spring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.